Welcome to the B'nai International Podcast. I'm CEO Dan Mariashin. Thank you for joining us today. In just a moment, we'll be speaking with our director of the B'nai World Center in Jerusalem. While you're settling in, be sure to visit our website, B'nai like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. The easiest way to get the latest episode is to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play on your smartphone. Well, joining me today from Jerusalem is my colleague, Alan Schneider. This is Alan's second appearance on the podcast. Today, he's joining us to discuss the Six-Day War on its 50th anniversary, which uh, will be observed on the secular calendar, the first day of the war, June 5th, 1967. Alan, welcome to the program. Hi, Dan. Looking back from today, I'd like to ask you about what Israelis think of the Six-Day War. I'll start by saying I remember where I was. It was one of those points in history where people of a certain age can remember where they were. I was a senior in high school, and we knew in the couple of weeks leading up to the war that uh, things did not look good for Israel in the Middle East. Uh, We were deeply concerned. Uh, There were discussions at the UN General Assembly uh, and the Security Council uh, about uh, uh, what uh, was about to happen. Uh, But nobody knew it would happen exactly as it did, or certainly nobody thought it would turn out exactly as it did. So looking back from today, 50 years back, what are Israelis saying about the war and the anniversary? Uh, well, you know, Dan, I mean, uh, the Six-Day War changed the entire map of, uh, of Israel um, uh, and had a huge effect on the Middle East and, and everything that followed uh, in, over the past 50 years. Uh, and, you know, I think that many Israelis uh, recognize that um, it's left us with many unanswered questions, uh, the war. But at the same time, um, there's, I think, uh, almost uniform recognition that Israel's situation just just prior to the war uh, was was very dire, with uh, Arab armies uh, saber rattling and getting ready. Uh, it seemed to uh, to attack Israel and um, uh, and try to to realize their aim of throwing Israel into the sea. Uh, and there's nothing I don't think that is that has um, uh, come out in, in the last. Um, Few weeks and, and you know the uh, archives here have been opening up more and more and uh, more details about the war and conduct of the war by by the Israeli army and, and government have been coming have been made available over time, uh, but still the 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 basic recognition uh, that Israel uh, was in a in dire straits at the time and needed uh, to launch that attack in order to secure itself, uh, I, I think is generally recognized uh, by. Uh, Israelis, um, a vast majority of Israelis, uh, although there is the con- and continues to be a discussion about the aftermath of the war uh, and uh, its continued uh, presence in Judea and Samaria. Well, looking back, as I recall, as we were watching the Security Council deliberations at that time, I mean, the, the feeling was that there really had been an abandonment of Israel, uh, even here in the, in the West. Uh, as uh, these uh, storm clouds uh, grew closer, and I know you were um, you were a boy at the time, uh, but it's important to to talk, uh, I think, for a moment about how 
the mood was amongst uh, the civilian population. Uh, how did it change as the victory started to look assured? Because we, we went from this, this situation of, of deep concern, not knowing you have the, these joint, uh, the, the, the Arab armies uh, with their um, uh, boasts and their threats uh, for weeks on end, for months on end, uh, before uh, uh, large crowds in, in Cairo and Damascus and uh, on official radio, etc. Uh, how did the mood change in Israel uh, as we moved from June 5th uh, through the 10th, 1967? Well, Dan, you know, I was not here at the time, but um, it, I think one thing that uh, repeats itself is how the Israelis reacted particularly to the uh, conquest of, of Jerusalem uh, of, and, and of the breaking down of the walls that had existed uh, uh, between eastern and western Jerusalem uh, until that time, and the stream of Jews from Western Jerusalem into the old city of Jerusalem and, and to the, the Kotel, to the Western Wall, um, that you know that, that uh, really still during the fighting, uh, the, the plaza was created uh, near the wall. And, and you know, there are very early pictures from those very first days uh, and, and uh, descriptions um, that Again, now are, are, are being uh, uh, published again in uh, um, in the news. Whether it's letters that were written at the time or diaries of people that were written about how they were moved, particularly by uh, the the uh, the ability again to go back into the old city of Jerusalem, uh, back into the uh, to the western to touch the the western wall again and to pray uh, in that area, and. Um, uh, that, you know, it, it very much is the focus. I mean, you know, part of the conquest, there was, you know, the Sinai Desert, for example, that's been re returned uh, to Egypt uh, in the meantime, uh, or um, uh, e even Judean Samaria that still uh, is in limbo, uh, and that is uh, considered even you know, under, uh, under Israeli law as being under military occupation until this very day. But Jerusalem... Uh, and the Golan Heights uh, have since been incorporated uh, formally uh, into the borders of the state of Israel, although not recognized by the international community. Uh, but still, um, I, I think you know if we focus uh, uh, on Jerusalem, it, it really um, uplifted the spirit uh, of of Israelis, particularly uh, after the tension, as you mentioned, of months. Uh, waiting for the the Arab armies to make good on their threat, their threat to uh, destroy the state of Israel. It was remember, uh, you know, barely 19 years old at the time, uh, and and to throw the Jews into the sea. Most uh, folks who are younger and cannot remember, of course, uh, I guess can't even fathom the idea uh, that uh, Israelis were not uh, able to, um, to go to the Kotel, to go to the Western Wall and, and to pray. And, of course, the rest of, Jer of Jerusalem uh, being denied um, their, their entry as well. That was a, it was a pretty fierce battle over Jerusalem over a couple of days, wasn't it? Uh, it was. It was. And we all remember, you know, the battle uh, in Ammunition Hill, for example. It's gone down in history. Um, 
you know, as one of the, the bloodiest battles, actually, uh, more than 30 uh, people killed uh, in those trenches on Ammunition Hill. And it's, uh, I recommend everyone uh, visit that site. It's a memorial site today to the uh, heroism of uh, the Israeli soldiers um, and, and their fight for Jerusalem. Um, and uh, it, it's still very moving, uh, and you know, to read about the heroism of the of the soldiers, uh, and um, we pay tribute to them uh, every year, but especially this year on the 50th anniversary. Yeah, are there um, uh, are there associations of of veterans uh, that uh, came together uh, as a result of the war, uh, those who fought uh, in these battles um, to kind of perpetuate the the memory of of what took place. Uh, well, there are. I mean, uh, one of them I just mentioned, which is Ammunition Hill, uh, uh, that today is a memorial for the paratroopers uh, who fought uh, in the war, uh, particularly the, the paratrooper unit. And um, they have an association, um, and we've been in touch with them. In fact, uh, they have an association of, of veterans, uh, and um, they have annual uh, ceremonies. Uh, and on Independence Day, um, Munition Hill is, uh, is a site, one of the sites in Israel where the IDF uh, will uh, put up a, uh, an exhibition of some of its uh, weapons, um, tanks, um, and, and missiles, and so on. And uh, one of its one of the favorite pastimes of uh, Independence Day is to actually is to visit sites of that sort and and uh and to see the the weapons that are displayed the military leaders yeah. the military leaders of, uh, of of the idf at that time included a number of uh, uh, very important uh, figures uh, who later went on to uh, to have um, political careers in israel maybe you can talk a little about that you know well of course the the iconic figure is uh, moshe dayan uh, at the time, uh, is seen as the as the main uh, figure who ensured the the victory of the uh, the IDF. Um, it, it is, you know, the war took place uh, under the premiership of Levi Eshkol, uh, who was seen as a relatively weak uh, leader at the time, and um, gave a very unfortunate. Uh, uh, speech, uh, live speech, uh, just before the the war erupted, uh, and seemed to be very hesitant and and uh, and worried about the outcome of the speech. And that, that left, I think, many Israelis, uh, as they describe it, uh, with a sense of uh, foreboding uh, about what what might actually um, uh, happen in the war and whether. Uh, and you know, concerned whether the IDF was was ready to take on all these Arab armies. So Dayan uh, became really the the iconic figure uh, of that war. And then, as you mentioned, went went on to have a political career. He was uh, uh, is a figure I think that is um, even till today known uh, worldwide. And Yitzhak Rabin. Yeah, and of course Yitzhak Rabin as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then the famous photo of of the three of them walking into into the old city of Jerusalem, uh, together with Uzi Narkis, who was the, the commander of the uh, Jerusalem uh, sector. Um, what's important to remember 
about the war? Well, um, I think that um, we should try to, uh, as Israelis, um, find the, the common denominator, uh, uh, you know, and, and through all the the clouds of um, that have um, that have formed uh, around the outcome of the war and the conquest, particularly. Uh, of uh, Judean Samaria and, and Israel's ongoing uh, presence uh, and, and settlements, and these, these are um, issues that have, I think, have remained contentious and have clouded the the clear thinking that our leadership had at the time of recognizing the the opportunity uh, of bringing an attack on. Uh, the Arab armies and, and, and ensuring a victory for for the state of Israel. That uh, the 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 option, uh, which was to to lose the war, would have been dire. And uh, there, you know, were people who were very worried that 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 could be the outcome uh, of the war. And I think it was the 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 intelligence that. Uh, the army had the knowledge of the uh, Egyptian um, air bases and how to how to attack them at the at right time uh, was uh, something that um, that really has to be remembered today because in, you know in the interim we had the um, the Yom Kippur War that. Um, has to be seen, I think, also in, in the context of of the Six Day War, uh, and um, in, some people, you know, say that the uh, what happened was that we were uh, had the, the euphoria of '67 blinded the vision of the leaders of that time, uh, Prime Minister Golda Meir and others who were in power, uh, and um, and prevented them from taking the necessary uh, action uh, in, in advance, even though they knew that, that war was very, very close and right, right on the horizon. So I think uh, we, we have to take, I think, the, um, and try to, I think, recreate maybe again the, the unity that there was um, around the common purpose uh, at the time of the Six-Day War and try to tap into that again in, in today's reality. Well, if there are are lessons to be learned from the Six-Day War, in addition to uh, remembering, really, how, how miraculous uh, the outcome was. Um, if one looks at, uh, again, May 1967 and the drumbeat of threats that were coming, particularly from Cairo and Damascus at the time, uh, the threats to, to annihilate Israel, the same language, pretty much, is used by the Iranian regime today every day. And, uh, you know, we've, we've often said over the years uh, that when these kinds of threats are made against Israel from whatever quarter, uh, one has to take them seriously. And um, today, uh, with uh, Iran ascendant, uh, with uh, it uh, being a hegemonistic uh, government, and with its uh, support for terrorism, its involvement in Syria, and Yemen and other places, if you put that together uh, with, you know, their plans for a nuclear program 
uh, and their threats, uh, one would think that, that again, uh, here 50 years later, um, you would want to take uh, those kinds of, of threats and that kind of rhetoric coming from Tehran uh, seriously. So I'm sure that um, that thinking is uh, factored into the thought processes of Israel's policy planners and its military planners uh, today. Um, anything else, Alan, that you feel uh, in terms of a, of a legacy uh, beyond the, the lessons? Anything else that, uh, that we can learn from this as we um, observe uh, this, uh, these uh, uh, very important six days in Jewish history? Yes, well, I think that, uh, Dan, that, you know, if we reflect on, on the Six-Day War uh, and uh, look at it um, in the context of today's reality, we can see how much stronger, uh, how much m- more secure uh, Israel is today. Um, and, you know, on the one hand, it's because of um, uh, internal uh, issues. We've overcome the uh, economic boycott, and Israel is a... Is a uh, Thriving, um, it has a thriving, a thriving economy today, uh, and uh, we've come a long way uh, on you know the economic area um, uh, in the economic area. But we can also see, I think, geopolitically, uh, how much weaker uh, the, the those countries that you mentioned, whether it was uh, uh, Egypt, Syria, uh, and of course then Jordan that entered the war. Um, against Israel, uh, and even countries further afar, if we look at uh, Iraq, for example, uh, and what's happened, uh, you know, in the interim. Uh, Iraq, even in the in the '48 war, was able to send an expeditionary force to fight against uh, the nascent um, uh, army of uh, of Israel. So these th- these threats no longer exist, and the one threat that I, I think that, that does, and you mentioned that just before, is Iran. Uh, and, um, and and that's clearly where, where um, Israel's um, focus uh, has to be. Um, Iran and its proxies that are there, whether it's Hezbollah, Hamas, um, uh, and others. But um, I think the, the, the situation does allow us to, <laughs> to focus today on those threats as opposed to the, the much broader uh, uh, situation that was facing Israel in 1967. It was a much smaller country in, in area, it was a much smaller country in um, population and, uh, uh, and uh, military capability. But um, I think that the success uh, of Israel in, in that war should, should put to rest the um, concerns uh, that uh, Israel is a is a uh, passing phenomena, uh, and that it's a, uh, a strong country that is able to overcome uh, even under those conditions the the enemies that were uh, pitted against it. Well, and it's a good uh, point to close on in this discussion as we remember the 50th anniversary of the Six Day War. That's uh, all the time we have for today. Thanks again for joining us for the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. Please visit our website, b'nai like our Facebook page, and follow us on Twitter. Subscribe on your smartphone through the podcast app for iPhone or through Google Play for Android. And lastly, tell a friend about us. For my colleague Alan Schneider, I'm Dan Mariashen. We'll talk to you next time 
on the B'nai B'rith International Podcast.